This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Lovely, what is today? Thursday. Thursday. All the yeah, days run together when we're uh, at training camp, here, and yeah. well, we're not at training camp, but all the days are still running together. It is, and kind of in a good way, though. I mean, we're building up to some things, and I read today that under one percent of NFL players are, have tested positive over this whole process, which I think everybody would take, and um, it seems like tentatively things are moving along, and. Frankly, the, the NFL is like a locomotive. They're going to move along no matter what. It's, gonna, it's, it's a train, and the train has yeah. uh, left the station, as it yes. were. Uh, we talked to Mike Tomlin this morning, the Steelers head coach, uh, holding his Thursday press conference starting next Monday when practices open up. Mike will be talking every day to Great. the media after Great. practice, much, much like a regular training Just camp. Just like a normal yeah. world, huh? Uh, but today we had some uh, opportunities to ask him some, some different questions. Um, and uh, some things that he, he talked about, uh, he said that uh, Matt Filer is working exclusively at left guard, which means Good. that the other two guys, uh, Chooks Okorafor and Zach Banner, are, uh, are working at right tackle. And that seems to be the plan, that, that one of those guys is going to win that job and Filer is going to stay at left guard. I think that's what you want to hear as a Steeler fan, right? I mean, if it were, yeah, but Matt's going to go back and play some right, that doesn't scream a ringing endorsement for the two right tackle you know situation I, I think that Filer needs to build continuity and a relationship with Villanueva to his left and Pouncey to his right where he you know he, he was on an island to his right you know, for most of his career here but he has done it and he knows them and he knows the scheme and all that so I think you want him to get every rep possible at left guard here's the thing last year at training camp even though I was told early on that they felt he was going to be the right tackle Mm-hmm. They, had, they had no question about that. Um, because guys were, were missing practices uh, here and there, uh, he played. He spent a lot of time at guard at camp last year. I guess he did, huh? That's yeah. A good point. I mean, he's probably he was probably at guard two or three days a week at training camp last year. Um, I can remember talking to him, you know, a couple weeks into camp, and I said, you know, I've been told that you're you're the starting right tackle because that wasn't a that wasn't a given. Okay, at that uh, point, right? It, yeah. Some, and he goes, well, that's that's news there. to me. He says, I'm I'm still playing guard, you know, two or three days a week. <laughs> so uh, he has done it. Um, he's got that so kind of bounce back and forth. And yeah, lived that world. He's know, right? he's got that kind of flexibility. I don't think it's 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 outside the norm for him. He started. He's played at center before. People forget really? about that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess um, he could be your emergency guy on game. He was day. the he was the third team center for a long time when he was the swing guy. Okay. Uh, Finney would be the first guy up, and then and then Filer. In fact, um, in a season-ending game, I believe two or three years ago now, maybe three years ago, against the Browns, um, they sat some guys, including Pouncey. Finney got the start at center in that game. Filer was at guard. And then Finney got hurt in, early in that game, and Filer had to move to center and play the okay. whole game at center. Interesting, because 
now Wisniewski is going to be your Finney, you know, so yeah. he'd still be third guy up. I mean, so it's not his most comfortable position. But a lot of bad things have to happen for him to go to center. But at least you're going to have one active on game day, so it's not as big a deal to me. I mean, like if the Castro were to get hurt, I'm sure Wisniewski would become your right guard. Right. You, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. So then you have two centers behind, still on the field with Pouncey if disaster strikes. So yeah. No, that's great. Their line versatility is rare and phenomenal. It, it really is. And, uh, you know, I don't know that uh, um, it's truly appreciated right. uh, for people that don't watch all the teams. I mean, you see other teams have guys go down and all of a sudden – we don't have another one. You know, it's it's you know blow it up. It's Wiley mm. Coyote with the TNT. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's a an intricate web, a puzzle. I mean, that you could build. If this guy goes down, then this guy goes down, then he goes here and he shifts here, and it, it takes a while until it gets ugly, ugly. You know, where a lot of teams, it's of course any team loses a Pouncey or the Castro or a Zach Martin or whomever, it's going to be bad. But the plans in place for those disasters isn't the worst thing I've ever seen at all. I mean, yeah. it's pretty strong. Um, I uh, wrote today about the uh, the possibilities that they have. We, we talked a little bit about this before uh, with Derek Watt at uh, fullback. Yeah, really um, intrigues me. I looked up the numbers. Last year, uh, there were five teams that gave their fullbacks 300 – no, I'm sorry, 200 or more snaps. I bet they're the best offenses in the league. Uh, they were all in terms of running the football. Let me guess them. Okay. Niners, Ravens, Vikings. Saints? Saints are another one, yes. Yeah, I should know the other one. I'm not remembering it. The Raiders. I wouldn't have got that one. Yeah. To be honest with you. Um, the Browns will be one of those teams this year. Yeah. Uh, three of those teams finished in the top ten running the football last year. The, the Of course, the, the, the 49ers. Vikings and, and Ravens. Mm -hmm. uh, the Raiders and Saints both finished. The Raiders were just outside the top 10, and the Saints were 16th. Okay. Which says, well, they're just 16th, but they can throw the ball pretty well. Yeah, right. I mean, right, they're, they're, right. That's, I think that's the kind of balance that that's the Steelers kind of need. For, yeah. Right. A um, couple notes on that, too. I mean, I believe that there's four elite teams in the league. You mentioned three of them. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's a. Just it's not all play. because of the fullback. <laughs> right. I mean, just because you trot a fullback out there, the Jags aren't going to be one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. But it is hard to prepare for. We talked about this a lot yesterday that I very – one of the beauties of the Ravens, and I very much believe this in the league, is if you're noticeably different than the other 31 teams, that week of practice is really, really hard because you think you get a whole week to play. It's not like hockey where you play two nights in a row. But it's not much. I mean, you, you don't yeah. get enough time to prepare. So and ha I mean, half the teams in the league don't even have a fullback on their roster. That's what I mean. Yeah. So just even playing against a fullback is new. And then some of these teams use them in a really unique way, including Baltimore, um, certainly the Niners. A team you didn't mention and would and is always on that list is the Patriots. But Devlin got hurt, and then yeah, the they didn't have a fullback hurt, last and then year. They made a linebacker into a fullback. Yeah, I don't even know if they counted him as for the snap counts or whatever. But they they didn't have any more fullbacks. Um, but they're always atop that list, and they're always a really difficult offense to prepare for. And it's just like we mentioned yesterday is none of these linebackers played against a fullback in college. You know, the, they don't know – taking him on in the hole is new and just an old-school ISO. This guy gets ahead of steam, and he's coming to get me a couple yards from behind the line of scrimmage. But more than that, 
the rules on defense are I have this B gap, I have this C gap, I have this, but the gaps change after the snap with a fullback. You don't know where he's going to be, what's my gap responsibility, and if you're not super quick to recognize that, Tevin Coleman's running for 20 yards behind you. you yeah. Know? So it's really it's really interesting. And I think when you marry Watt and Canada, they're going to catch some teams off guard with their running game. That was kind of the, the I bet it was. point of my story. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, Watt played 122 snaps last season for the Chargers. He played 146 in 2018, 142 in 2017. So he wasn't a you know a big no, a high volume be 50%. guy. percent. But uh, 2018, Knicks played 110 snaps. When he was a pro bowler, all over myself, sorry. When he was a pro bowler in 2017, he played 181 snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think they're closer to that this year. I do too. Than they are to the 110 that Knicks played. Because the Steelers really didn't have one last year. Yeah, they had no time. I mean, I even consider last year because he played 35 snaps and was only active for about, you know, Mm -hmm. six games. And then they didn't go out and try to replace them or, you know. It's hard. You can't find those guys. They aren't easy to find, for one thing. Um, But I think Watt, you mentioned all those teams that play with a fullback. You know, like the the Browns who are going to inherit the Vikings way of doing things, they traded for Janovich. I mean, they they gave something up to go get one. The Ravens Uh, already do it. The Ravens, you're right. You yeah. know, the, the Niners made Juszczyk the highest-paid fullback ever. And he played 396 snaps last year. he plays a lot, and he was hurt a little bit, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, their offense is much different when he's out. He was, uh, I think he was over 600 snaps two years ago. That's a plan for him. I mean, I think that's what they yeah. want to do. They want they are a two-back offense. Um, and I don't think Watt's going to approach those numbers or anything. But those guys I mentioned are different than Knicks, too. I mean, Knicks is... A downhill sledgehammer. He was a around. he was a college defensive tackle. He mm-hmm. was a college nose tackle. Right, right. I mean, you know, expecting him to run or catch the ball, while he could do he you know he could do those kind of mm-hmm. things. He 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 did have I think twelve catches in the last, in his five years with the Steelers. He averaged like five yards a catch, and some probably will bounce off his hands. And I mean, I was right. I can remember watching him his first camp with the Steelers. And they're 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 playing him at fullback, and I'm watching him run routes, and I'm going, well, he catches the ball pretty well for a guy who's a you know for, that. The, for, for a defensive right. tackle. Sure, sure. Um, I don't know that he caught the ball well as a fullback though. Like he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna run away from anybody. No, I mean I think he touches the ball what five times a year if he's totally healthy. Yeah, uh, and and it's just to catch if, if that off yeah. guard, you know fullback belly that no one's expecting, or I'm in trouble and he's wide open in the flat, I'll dump it to him and maybe we'll get two yards out of it. And I'm not saying Watt's gonna rack up a lot of yardage. But a guy like Juszczyk, watch closer to Juszczyk is what I'm saying yes. than he is to... He yeah, was 15 yards of catch in his career. Juszczyk does? No, oh, Watt. Watt does. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Watt can run. He's not going to be awkward catching the football. But more importantly to me is the whole personnel game because if you're going to get heavy against the Niners when they have Kittle, Juszczyk, a running back, and two receivers on the field, and you're going to come out and base... And knowing that they run the ball really well, Juszczyk can move over to the slot and run a handful of routes. Yeah. And they're always going to be against linebackers. And then you probably are singling Kittle. You know, I mean, like, they cause problems. Yeah, and I thought that's why it was interesting. that If you look at the two Steelers' uh, biggest acquisitions in the offseason, it's another tight end and a fullback. Right, right. What are they telling you they want to do? Well, I think they're, on the surface, I think they're telling you they want to be a run, they want to run the ball more. When you dig deeper, I think they want to be very multi-dimensional. Yes. 
I think they want guys that can do more than one thing. You know, Ebron's as much receiver as he is tight because, end. Well, and that's a, that's the point. You know, last year when they went to the big package, mm-hmm. the second tight end was Zach Banner. You're you running still the football. Yeah, do that. yeah. But uh, but everyone in the world knows what's happening. He's not a threat to ca- ever catch the football. No, I mean you'd rather run behind Zach than Eric. Right. But but there's nothing that says now Ebron now takes that outside role. Vance McDonald kicks inside mm-hmm. and is the blocker. Mm-hmm. And he still gives you a guy that's capable. And it's not like he can't run down the seam. Yeah, when, when no one's paying attention to him too. So yeah, they have so many more packages they can throw at you now. They're twenty-one or they're twelve. Isn't always necessarily the same people. And you, you start testing the defense early in the game and saying, well, they're going to play base against our twenty-one. I'll put Ben in the shotgun and kick Watt out a little yeah. bit, and you know, see what happens. Or you know, you, you, what what happens when you you put. Uh, you know, those guys on the field and the receivers are, uh, well, how many does that leave? That leave Five, seven, nine. So you get two receivers, right? No. One receiver. When what? If you go uh, 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you'll have a fullback, a running back, two tight ends, and Juju or whoever. Or Claypool. Or Claypool. Get really big. Yeah. You know, now what do you do? Are you going to, a, you going to a, not a base package? You're probably going to a, a, you know, almost a goal line. You'll probably type. get a goal line situation. And all of a sudden. Cup- but Ebron can detach. Yeah. You know, and then McDonald runs a seam, and you have a screen set up to the running back. or You know, it's they have a lot of options now. Yeah. And I think it's fun, too, and a little exercise for people at home is pull up the roster and pick five guys to go with Ben and five offensive linemen and all the different packages you can put out there. They may not have an AB that's going to see the field every snap, but you can create some fun things there. You know, you can get really heavy. You can get um, really light, too. I mean, they led the league in four receiver sets two years ago. I mean, you could go out there with Ebron, no back, and four receivers. And if you don't get dollar personnel, somebody's on a linebacker. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in hurry up or whatever. And you're going to win that battle. Yeah. Put yeah. Ben in the shotgun and get it out quick and, you know, pre-snap. Unless, you know, unless the linebackers, uh, you know, K.J. Wright or somebody, I don't. Yeah, right. Somebody I mean, they can cover. I mean, that's the beauty of Bush. Yeah. Like the Steelers couldn't combat that stuff in the past. Now you can better with Bush. Yeah. So uh, it should be interesting. And I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think they have lots of options. Uh, we'll see how that continues to work out. Um, we'll get a good look at it uh, starting next week when the uh, practices open up. Um, I'll be. I think Watts in the plans though. Oh, the, yeah. you, you don't pay him three point two five million dollars exactly. to not use him. Teams tell you what they think. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that they're going to do some stuff with that. Um, he's not going to be just be a special teams ace, although he can be that as well. He did lead the league in special oh, teams way, tackles yeah. last year, uh, so a, a very a valuable signing that they're going to take advantage of. Um, we're going to hear the Mike Tomlin uh, interview. We'll play that back at the end of the show today. But uh, he is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You are listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. Our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.
Welcome back. I'm Dale Lolly here with Matt Williamson. A little cake there for the lead-in. And uh, yeah, Matt, uh, we've seen a couple of uh, signings in the last 24 hours. We kind of predicted that coming. Right. Yeah, Everson Griffin signs with the uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, one year, uh, six million dollars. That up to is six million dollars, which kind of a bargain for a player of uh, his level of play. But a lot of times this time of year, too, if people are just kind of looming out there hoping to get a job, you'll see veteran minimums, more or less. Or yeah. give them a million, one-year deal. So With incentives, and that, that's where they could be up to $6 million. That's where the incentives yeah, right, come into right. play. But this contract makes me think that he was sought after and valuable still and has a lot left in the tank. I think it's really interesting what's going on with Dallas's defense. Is Van Der Esch was hurt a lot last year, but... Him and Jalen Smith make up an elite linebacking core, and Sean Lee still is in the mix and can still play. Um, Their defensive line is pretty much totally redone. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is the straw that stirs the drink, but Quinn goes to Chicago, and Tyrone Crawford's been around for a while, but now he's a part-time player slash kick-inside guy, which fits him perfectly. Griffin and Lawrence, to me, will rival... The Chargers guys, or you know, one of the best edge groups in the league. Both those guys were in my top twenty-five. They drafted the insides, interesting too, because they added Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy, used a second-round pick on Tristan Hill last year, a third-round pick on Neville Gallimore this year. That all of a sudden they got a bunch of guys, and then they're still taking a flyer on Alden Smith. We know his story, which is yeah. a little crazy. Um, but they hired Mike Nolan, who's usually a lot more blitz-happy than they've been in the past. But I don't know if they'll have to. You know, I think the secondary is going to be aided pretty much by a pretty good front four. Well, it better be because the secondary is definitely the weak part of that defense. It is. You're 100% right. I mean, the secondary is a little questionable. It's very questionable. You know, I mean, it's Anthony Brown and Chidia, Chidobia Wouzier and HaHa Clinton Dix. And they're okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, it's, the, it's the weakest part of the whole team. Yeah, um, but uh, they they signed him to a deal. Uh, George Kittle breaking the bank for tight ends, uh, five oh, years, seventy five million dollars, and he is well deserving of that contract. It does make me wonder though if I'm Travis Kelsey, I'm sitting here going, well, "What about me?" Yeah, tight end market's really weird to begin with. You know that I think they've been very underpaid over the years. Relatively speaking, the best tight end I've ever seen, Rob Gronkowski, didn't make a ton of money. Um, so, you know, we see Hooper become the highest paid guy basically because it was an opportunity because he was actually on the street, unlike a lot of these guys, and became a free agent at the right time. But I said in a podcast a couple weeks ago, I think Kittle's the best offensive player in the league that's not a quarterback. And how do you pay that guy when the quarter when the tight end market is – so low before that. You know, you can disfranchise him and get a steal. I would argue McCaffrey would, would be that guy. Uh, there's others to argue. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Um, I just think Kittle presents that Gronkowski-like, kind of like we talked about the first segment, there's no right answer because yeah. he can detach and, you know, so many things. So any contract that would came up with him wouldn't shock me. You know, like, boy, he's underpaid for being the best offensive player in the league, but he's still making more than any other tight end. Or, wow, that's a monster contract because he's super important. Uh, Kelsey is making – he signed a, a five-year, $46.8 million contract. I believe that was back in 2016. Um, 
I don't think it's been recent for him. 2017, I should say. He signed that deal. Um, so he's got another year left after this one. Uh, he counts – he has a base salary of $8 million this year, and he counts $11.2 million against their cap this year. Next year, his, his base salary goes to $7.75 million, and his cap hit is $9 million, but he's going to be 31 next right. year. If I'm, if I'm Travis Kelsey, I'm going to the team now at age 30 and saying, hey, he just signed that five-year, $75 million contract. This right. is I, I think I can get one more here that will take me through age 34, age 35. Now's the time to do Now's it. Now's the time, think. yeah. Before Mahomes is making a ton of money against the cap, he's still sort of reasonable. I don't think they've locked up Chris Jones yet, though. I mean, I he's, think they, uh, he's on the franchise tag. So I'm thinking that's their next priority. I mean, it, I thought they did sign Chris they Jones. Might, I couldn't remember on that. They, they might have happened soon too that he got extended. Yeah, I think Chris Jones signed a uh, with it, he signed a four year, eighty million dollar deal. Okay, so the timing's perfect for Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, before you hit the market and get exorbitantly overpaid, you are getting old, but you're not fading away. Tight ends really fade away slow. I mean, the great yeah. ones don't fall off a cliff usually. He can still run. He's still a key piece. They don't have a guy behind them that they're grooming. You know, like Tyreek Hill comes to them, they say, well, maybe we could live with Hardman and Watkins and a first-round pick next year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Kelsey, I don't that's know. The, that's the decision they're going to have to make. Probably between the two of them. Between the two of those right, two right. guys. And you you would look at it, and, well, age-wise, you've got to keep Hill over Hill. Kelsey. But Kelsey's, I mean, again, as you said, the tight ends can play into, into his mid-30s and mm-hmm. still be very effective. Three more years of Kelsey has a lot of value. Yeah. Um, whereas, that's a good point. If I was his agent, I think now's the time to, let's talk about this. It's been a while. Yeah, and uh, you know they just set the bar. Yeah, in right. San Francisco, give me something in that neighborhood. Yeah, maybe get five years and seventy million um, instead of seventy-five, if, if that's what you mm-hmm. know. Four-year deal or in that. Yeah. You know, Tyreek is signed. Uh, Tyreek Hill is signed through twenty twenty-two. Uh, the team does have a, a potential opt-out after this season, or after a uh, potential opt-out in twenty twenty-one uh, makes it a uh, they would save twenty-two million dollars, twenty-two point eight million dollars in cap space. And have five point three million in dead cap space. He, mm. he signed a three-year, fifty-four million dollars deal. Um, They're not going to be able to last keep everybody. year. He, he can't. I mean, Sammy's expensive too. He's the obvious one you can move on right. from. I thought he'd get cut this year, and they were able to finagle that. But if Hardman blows up this year, do you do you suddenly look at Tyreek Hill and say, okay, in twenty twenty-one, uh, his cap hit is fifteen point eight million? Maybe you trade and the cap him. is going down. I mean, because right. you're going to need things if you could trade him for picks. Well, here's the thing about that: if you do trade him, his base salary is only nine hundred ninety thousand. Hmm. Uh, this in 2021, his base salary in 2022 is uh, just over one million dollars. He's got some. He's got some signing bonuses on there. He's got a, an eleven point eight million dollar roster bonus due next year, and a sixteen and a half million dollar roster bonus due in 2022. That I mean, Hardman aside, I mean, if Hill has a normal Hill year, you go to the AFC Championship or better, you win 13, 14 games, I think you just keep rolling with it and keep trying to monopolize things. If he struggles a little, shows a little sign, maybe you do consider moving on. His cap hit in 2022 is $20.7 million. Wow. It's a big number. That's a big number when you're paying Mahomes and Jones and Kelsey and these guys. Yeah. And what I've been sitting here thinking is Bill Polian's model with Peyton Manning with the Colts was if you go to draft history, there's so many first-round picks 
on skill position guys. Dallas Clark, Anthony Gonzalez, Joseph Adai, let alone Edge James, Marvin Harrison, Wayne. You know, I mean, the guys that really hit. And the, the plan was obvious. We had two pass rushers playing the dome. We're going to score a ton of points. I'm just going to keep giving Peyton all kinds of new weapons. Yeah. We'll, we'll rush the passer with those two guys, and the rest right. of the defense can just be. The linebackers are all fourth-round picks making nothing. And yeah. when their contract's up, we'll let them go. We'll play cover two. And it I makes wonder... me wonder about, like, if Edwards Hilaire hits. Let's say Edwards Hilaire becomes 80% of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah. Do you then need, for example, Hill and. That's kind of where I was yeah. going with it, too, is maybe they showed us this year. They're just going to keep drafting skill guys high. I don't care what position it's right. at. Just give me weapons. Maybe that's a tight end next year. Maybe that's another fast receiver next year. And we know we can't pay all these dudes, so we're just going to keep drafting high-end talent at the end of first round at skill positions that probably will hit. Yeah. I mean, it, you can it, kind it of – certainly work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dallas has kind of got the same thing going on a little bit there with at the receiver position. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they have Ezekiel Elliott. They're paying him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're gonna they're gonna have to make a decision on Dak at the end of this year. They're gonna have to pay him. Yeah, I don't know where Dallas gets the money. You know they just signed Everson Griffin and you know they added some other pieces on defense, but the offense is really pricey. You yeah, know, I mean, uh, CD Lamb falls in your lap, you take him, great. But they got big pieces. They need the cap to go up. Yeah, uh, they. Uh, I think every team needs it to go right. up. And again, I keep takes, thinking it's gonna takes us back to that. You know Saturday. Football thing. If there's, you know, let's say two or three games on Saturdays now, or just let's just say it's a Saturday night game now. They they turn that into a I think they will. Saturday night, uh, you know, football night in America kind of thing. Um, what's that worth to the to the networks? Tons. A, a bunch of money. Let's talk about this for a minute because because what's what it's going to take the place of is usually at the Big Ten and the in the uh, the Pac Ten or Pac Twelve. Pac Twelve is always playing that that late game. Right. Right, right, right. Well, now you got to be a late NFL game instead. You could play it. You could start it at nine Eastern, you know, like something like that. You know, yeah. like how Monday football used to. Um, I was listening to Mike Lombardi's podcast this morning, and he was kind of talking about this and talked to people in the league, and he doesn't think it's far fetched. And I don't want to put words in his mouth that there's a game Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and there's many reasons. The obvious ones, like you're talking about, there's no college. That, but the other thing that's interesting, too, is CBS, NBC, whoever, they're not putting out any new content. There's no new Will and Grace or Cheers coming out. Yeah, What yeah. they're putting out there stinks, <laughs> and their their programming is no good. If they could put NFL on Friday instead of some rerun of Law & Order or whatever the heck people put on. Well, they've got 3,000 of those. <laughs> that's always on somewhere. <laughs> you know, the Big Bang for the 100th time or whatever. They would pay out the out the ears for it, I think. Yeah, and I think advertisers would line up for it as well. Yeah. I mean, it's they know people are going to watch it. I, I think uh, uh, I, I did a, a little research on this um, when people were talking about, uh, you know, the NFL. The people aren't watching the NFL like they did before on TV. Well, yeah, that might be true. The the ratings were down a little bit, but like not nearly. Yeah, stuff? not nearly as much as they were for regular TV. Ratings right. are down. Right, right, right. And, oh, by the way, I think... There's just so much more to watch now. I think, like, 98 of the top 100 most watched shows last year 
we're still NFL games. <laughs> so yes, it's down by their standards, but it's still rules but the market still, like yeah. no one else. And and you know they were talking about uh, I think the the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago was really well watched or whatever, and it got like an eleven share. Okay, that eleven share was like the ninety eighth. This is Stanley Cup finals. It was like the ninety eighth most watched NFL game. Yeah, it's like of a the week same six season game. Yeah, Bills Jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, it's still the it still rules the the roost. It's still the thing that everybody wants to watch, and it's it's the ultimate in reality TV. So my uncle, he's a little older than you. He's a little older than me, and he got me into football in a great way too. Like he was a huge Steeler fan in the '70s. Went to all the Super Bowls. Took me to many many games as a kid, and he can kind of take or leave football at this stage of his career and of his life. And he kind of said. It got too watered down, Matt. You know, like, I loved Monday Night Football. I'd never miss it for the world. Now there's Thursday, there's Sunday, there's Monday. I don't know which one to get up for. I, you know, I can't stay up all these times. Tell so me, need to start playing fantasy. Right. And <laughs> I think he's in the minority, but I do think there are people that look at it that way, too. Like, I don't need it every night, but a lot of us will take whatever you can get. Yeah. And I, I th- still think that way of thinking is in the minority because it doesn't mean you have to watch it. I mean, you and I will. I will. I mean, I'll never I'll watch a game, a game whenever, right. there's, whenever there's a game on just to watch a game. But it's better when it's on CBS on Friday night or Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, if if there if there's game if there are games on Thursday and Friday if there game if it's a Friday night game I'm going to sit and watch the Friday night game. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I sat and watched some you know college football game on a Friday night that was. You know, Wyoming versus. Uh, he didn't uh, really care about. Yeah, it. Right. I didn't care about the game. I, right. I, I might watch to see if there's any kind of prospects in the game, but I'm Not just watching mention, a football game. I don't know a ton about betting, but I would imagine the primetime games get bet on triple a one o'clock game. Oh yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Or just people figure, oh, I'm, I'm going to watch the game. I might as well have something. Right. You know. And we know that betting is going to start filtering money into the NFL. Well, that's a betting paradise. Like, it wouldn't shock me if Thursday through Monday we have football, or maybe there's only one night off of those times. And then maybe the cap goes up. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the potential that uh, that the, the league has to look at here. And, again, that's the way that they can sell this to the NFLPA is like, hey, we know you don't want to play a bunch of games on short work weeks, but if we can, if we can guarantee, year, yeah. You could tell the Patriots, you know, uh, two, mo- two weeks in advance – Hey, instead of Sunday, you're playing Saturday. No one's going to the games, right? You don't have to tell. If it's a, and especially if it's a night game, right? You know, Saturday night game. You know, you can you can travel uh, Saturday morning instead of, you know, instead of going in yeah. Saturday night uh, to go play Sunday. We'll you're give gonna, you a month's notice. Yeah, and you get an extra day the next week. Yeah, not that big a deal, right? You're already. I mean, you, you know. It, who knows? I don't. Know. All the stand, it, all the people in the stands have to change their life. Yeah, you know that's the, right. that's the great thing about it is it, it's not a situation anyway. where you're telling a bunch of fans like, hey, we're going to move this game to Thursday. It was supposed to be Sunday, right. and you know it's too bad that you already made your plans. You can play it wherever. Doesn't matter. Want. Right. <laughs> no one's going to be there. Uh, anyways, we're going to take a break. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to the Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. Uh, when we come back, uh, SI has uh, come out with a list of 12 teams. It thinks can win the Super Bowl. Legit, have legitimate yeah. Super Bowl hopes this year. Good. We're going to go over that list. We'll do that right after this. You're tuned to the drive on your 24 7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.
We are back. I'm Dale Lolly here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, I may mention uh, before the break that the Sports Illustrated has come out with 12 teams that could win Super Bowl LV. Hmm, okay. This one's written by Connor Orr. And I got two teams into this thing, and I had to take umbrage with what Did Mr. Orr okay. wrote here. Number one is the Chiefs. Agreed. Not surprising. Not is surprising. He ranking at all. them in some order. He has them. Yeah, okay. one. He has numbered. I don't know if that ranks them. Okay. But he's got number two is the Patriots. And yeah. I would put $500 down right now that the Patriots will not win the Super Bowl, even if I was getting horrible odds at that. I would, too. I don't think they can. I mean, I think Cam can be a success. I think that there's some logic when you write an article like this that Bill Belichick could take the Pine Richland team and be competitive. But eventually, the lack of talent, talent is going to catch right. up to them. I mean, right. When we went through the Mike Clay's uh, positional rankings right. last week. I think the only area where they ranked in the top 10 was at uh, cornerback. Corner. That yeah, was it. I think that's, I think that's it. Right? Yeah. And I think they were 23rd overall in terms of – 24th. 24th. In terms of talent. And I would argue they'd be lower than higher if I were doing it. Yeah. And I mean, offensively, front, they were puss. Their front seven's bad. Yeah. yeah I mean, right. Def- yeah. Defensively, the front seven was awful. It's really bad. Yeah, I don't think they can. I mean, could they win the division? Yeah. I, I'm not sure I'd pick them. I'm just not really high on the other three teams yeah. in, the, in there. I mean, but I don't think they can win a playoff game. I don't think they can win a couple because if they win the division, they're probably going to be the, the fourth seed, mm-hmm. which means they're going to be getting the top wild card, they and they're could, not going to beat the top wild pitchers. card. Yeah, yeah, they're not beating those teams. I don't think so. I mean, I right now if the Steelers were in New England with no fans. And they would have to do that three straight weeks. Right. It right. goes back to the fact I don't that they can get that streak together. They've never gone to the Super Bowl, let alone one one mm-hmm. where they haven't had a bye. I mean, the chance, now there's only one bye. They're not going to be the one seed. Right. I mean, I can't, I can't write that story. Even if the most creative writer in the world can't write that if, story. If Cam Newton came back and was Cam Newton of 2015, mm-hmm. they're not. The, they're not the number one I seed. Think that in the gets eight and eight. <laughs> right, you know yeah. I mean? and he was MVP that year. Right, right. They were fifteen and one, and he was the MVP and on a good team. I mean, I think they win the division. They win eight, nine games if he's that guy. Yeah, uh, no, th- I, I can't give him that one either. Three is San Francisco. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, think he's that's, ranking them. Yeah, but I mean, I would not seems like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he says this about the 49ers. Outside of the Ravens in Baltimore, the Steelers in Pittsburgh, the Patriots in New England, San Francisco may have the most sustainable front office ownership coaching structure in the league as it stands right now. I think that's safe to say. It's, yeah. it's amazing because they're young, and it wasn't long ago that they were picking second overall and yeah. in, in shambles. But you got long-term deals for Lynch, long-term deals for uh, Shanahan. It is a stable team. Uh, four, he has the Saints. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's a that's an obvious one. Right. I would have them higher. They're one of my top four. They would be two on my list Yeah, me at, too. The very, at the very least. I'm probably going to pick them to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC the more. I think they're pretty good, it. yeah. Um, they can withstand things now, yeah. too. I mean, if Michael Thomas happens to go down, I don't think it kills them, you know. At five, he has Seattle. And I don't think that mm. Seattle's in this group right now. I've just been fiddling with my We talk about this every year with up, Seattle. Right. I'm always hard on them. I never believe in them. I'm always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize in advance, Seattle fans. But I do like their back seven now on defense. Their pass rush is junk. But yeah. They'll blitz like crazy. I mean, Adams might be their number one. He might be the leading sack guy sure. Yeah. It's the offense will be good, I think, though. You got a, you've got a great quarterback that gives you a chance. They were two inches away last year from being the number one seed in the NFC. Mm-hmm. 
Think about that. They, if the they, analytics people hate them, though. Yeah, yeah, but if they get the number one seed in the NFC last year, do they go to the Super Bowl instead of San Francisco? Possibly. Nobody wants to go there. And Nobody play. wants to go there and play. Right. It's very possible. I mean, yeah. betting against Russell Wilson is a terrible move for your wallet. Yeah. Uh, they can. So yes, they can win the Super Bowl. Six. He has the Ravens. MVP. Yeah. You know, that's very possible. Six is the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. I think they can win the Super Bowl. I think they should worry more about winning a playoff game with Lamar Jackson first. Right. They did a lot of talking last year. Earl Thomas was talking about, "Hey, we're going to win the Super. You know, who are we, mm-hmm. whoever we're playing in the Super Bowl, but it better be ready for us." <laughs> right. You didn't even win a playoff game for the second Lamar year in a row. Hasn't yet. Yeah. I know that. I'm of the belief, and maybe that maybe it's different in football, a little bit different, but I think. The great teams, the ones that have a foundation built up, you have to kind of build your way up to winning those kind of things. Being an elite. It's almost like Jordan getting past the Pistons. I look at it. I I was a Pistons fan growing up. And in the late 80s, uh, they they had to get past the Celtics in the the East. Basketball is a lot of examples. Yeah. There's all uh, the first year when they were really young, they had to go win a playoff series. Well, they did that. Then they they mm-hmm. they they got to the second round the next year and lost there. Then the next year they they won that second round. Baby steps. Get to the right. get to the conference championship. They play the Celtics in the conference championship. That was your uh, you know Bird steals the ball and the, all that stuff and they yeah. they get knocked out. But then they go the the following year and win the championship. They they kept taking that step forward. Right. They had to learn as a group how to win together. And then the Bulls were the ones that took it off them. Yeah. And, you know, took and they were on top for a couple of years, and then the Bulls came and, and knocked them off the perch. Right. Now, there's a lot, a lot of examples in sports like that. You know, like the the Oilers couldn't quite get past the Steelers. You know, that, that type of thing. Knocking on the door, they couldn't right. kick it in. Right. And I think there's a learning to win and then learning to win championships are two different things. I mean, the future is really bright for Baltimore. I don't think either one of us will say they can't win the Super Bowl. Right. But, no, I, I think right. so as well. Does Lamar's... Does his style of play work as well in the playoffs? Usually against a team that you've typically already played during the regular season. So you're always almost always seeing somebody that you saw during There's the regular a good season. You played them before. Yeah. Um it, it, I mean I definitely think more than any team in the league it's beneficial to have played them recently or at least have a, a game against Lamar at his best under your belt. Yeah. So maybe not. Like, I think they, they feast on bad teams. They kill them. But when they play another good team, it kind of evens that, that advantage out a little bit, and then it becomes more of a 50-50 proposition, I think. I think he's a good passer, though. I, mean, I think I, he is, too, I mean? but they don't try to do it with him, and the receivers mm-hmm. are That's part of the not great. Right. I guess, you know, but I don't think that their, their game might be better in weather. You, know, if, you would think. You know, like when the weather hits and things like that in the playoffs. Maybe it slows them down on a sloppy track or something like yeah. that. I mean, their their offense is all about speed. Yeah, it's it's all about speed. And I just think you know when you get into those December January games, mm-hmm. the speed's kind of negated a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think to answer your question, I guess the answer is yes. But I think playoffs balance is important. You know, a team like the Saints that can play it any way you want, right? You know, because teams are going to take something away from you, mm-hmm. and a good team will take something away from you in the playoffs. They couldn't adjust to to the Titans running the football last year. Right, they're used to playing with leads. Well, good teams aren't aren't always you know if the, if the other team has a good offense and can control the football, you're not going to be up seven at halftime right. every every week. And right. they're just not built to play from behind. Yeah, I, I think that's true. 
but they're also explosive on the ground. Yeah. Oh, well, they know? can they can right. they can definitely jump on you quick and get right. and, and get out to a lead against anybody. Right. Um, but their defense too is built to play with the lead. Yeah. You know, it's rush the passer. It's that Manning conversation yeah. we had earlier about the Chiefs. Yeah. And I don't know that that's going to change this year. I think Probably you're still gonna, I think you're still going to be able to run on them. I do too. Yeah. And I don't think they care that much, but it, you know, it's a chink. This next one is a sh- is a shocker, at number seven. The Los Angeles Chargers. See, I kind of see that. I like them. I don't yeah. know that I would have them seven on this list. Right. Seven. They're not even going to win their division. They're not going to win their division. And I don't think that they're the third best team in the AFC. No. But I think they have a lot of star power. They've got a lot of pieces that I like. And I think they're going to play Ravens football with play defense with a lot of playmakers, run the ball like crazy. But at some point, you're going to ask Tyrod Taylor to win a game for you against good teams, and I don't think he can do that. Probably not. I, mean, I think they to can get win to a Super Bowl. I, I think, think they can win. I think they can be like a nine or ten win team. I do too. But I just don't think Super Bowl against another good football team. Big stretch. Yeah, to, to ask Tyrod Taylor to outplay Ben Roethlisberger, you know, in this, in January, or can you beat the Steelers, then the Ravens, then the Saints? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> right? No, yeah, not with Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback. I think you can win a playoff game. Like I think if you go into Buffalo, as the, if you, the Chargers could go into say Buffalo in January and win. Agreed. Yeah, but they're they're going to have to go on the road. I think they're they not winning that any, division. I think they could beat any team though yeah. on the right day. But can they do it three times in a row? Three in a row? I don't think not. so. I, this is more of a next segment thing, but it wouldn't shock me if Tyrod Taylor ends up with 600 rushing yards and is the quarterback six in fantasy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It also wouldn't surprise me if he's benched eight weeks into the season. Right. If, if things that could happen too, rails, yeah. I'm not sure they're well coached. And, you know, but I don't know we'll see Herbert. When we'll see Herbert. Number eight is the Eagles. I think so. I know you like that team. Mm-hmm. And you like the next one as well, the Eagles and Cowboys. Yeah. I think both those teams have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Things would have to fall right for them. I, I think I like the Cowboys a little bit better than I like Me too. the Eagles. I Carson right Wentz. Above. I love Carson Wentz, the player. He just gets beaten up I every think he year. Will too. Yeah, I just think that's who he is. He, he takes risks at the quarterback position, holds on to so. the football, and and uh, that catches up with you in the NFL. Yeah, uh, the Everson Griffin move makes me feel even stronger that Dallas should be five of my power ranks. You know, like I think they're a pretty good team now. Yeah, number ten is the Packers. I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it. Uh, he says this is a team I hesitated to include, but ultimately decided to put them here based solely on the fact that Aaron Rodgers is good. He has top five players at wide receiver and running back and a mostly excellent offensive line. He said it perfectly there. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is good. But is he He's not great. Anymore? He's right. not great. For Aaron, them to go and win the Super Bowl, he They need great play, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Like he did against the Steelers in the Super Bowl. I, I haven't seen that guy in a while. Yeah. It that, could happen. He they're could. built for Aaron Rodgers to be great mm-hmm. because the, the guys around him offensively are not great. No. I mean, he could take the Clark Kent outfit off, and there might be an S still under there, but I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. I don't think... Like, I don't think if you were saying talent-wise, who are the top five re- receivers in the league, I don't think Devontae Adams is that no. guy. He does, no. He's not fast. No. He doesn't have great hands. Um, he doesn't separate all the – I mean, he's, he's – He's a good player. He's a volume player. He's a volume player. Yeah. He's a good player. Um, he's a technician. Yeah. But he's hit his ceiling. He's not going to get any better. Right, right. Number 11 is the Steelers. I think they can win the Super Bowl, yes. Um. And he, he talks about them here. He doesn't mention anywhere 
uh, that Ben Roethlisberger is back, which is kind of surprising. He said, Mike Tomlin has still never had a losing season as a head coach and gets back a theoretically cleansed roster this year. The familiarity of the coaching staff with some minor offensive upgrades could be enough to push Pittsburgh in as a wild-card contender or a legit challenger to the Ravens. It's ridiculous to count on the team that has, depending on how you look at it, three or four elite players rushing towards the passer on every snap, depending how you look at it, four or five elite players protecting the passer on every snap. The secondary is good. Make Fitzpatrick's a budding star. It allows for some versatility. They could take the league by surprise in 2020. Yeah, I think they're always in. They're on that list every year, and unless you lose your Hall of Fame quarterback, <laughs> but I think a key there too is if they can develop. We know they're going to be better on offense, but if they can develop balance on offense, all the Connor talk we had yesterday. Yeah. Again, you know, not be twenty ninth or twenty eighth or twenty ninth in rushing as you were last mm-hmm. year. If you're in the top twenty somewhere, if you play the Ravens and you can run the ball on them, you know, if you play. Uh, the Chiefs and run the ball on them, you know, and keep those quarterbacks off the field. But in some games, you might have to throw it all over the yard. You know, I mean, I think they're capable of it, and we talked about all the different skill position guys they have now. I think some game, hey, Watt, this isn't going to be your game. You know, we're going to play a lot of three- and four-receiver sets. I think they can chameleon it week to week. Yeah. And then finally, number 12 is the Buffalo Bills. If Allen's good, which I don't think Allen's good now, but yeah. I think he could be good if he's good. If he doesn't kill them. See, I'm thinking, then, I mean, how do they win the Super Bowl? If he, if he's in a... If the defense is really good, if the defense takes mm-hmm. a, another step forward, and the running game, now with the two-headed monster of a, you know, with, that they yeah, have they'll there, run the ball well. They should run the ball. Uh, and he's a top 12 quarterback in the league. Yeah, I was going to kind of say it along those lines, too, like... If he's if he takes a step forward, which he did last year, but not a huge one, I think they're probably a playoff team, and will be hard to beat. And maybe they can string some wins together, but they'll have to play a certain way. But if he's a top ten, maybe even twelve, like you said, quarterback in the league, if he's Dak Prescott, now they got something. They yeah. might be they might be one of the top tier teams now. Yeah, to me, they they rival the Bills with Dak Prescott rival the Chiefs and Ravens to me. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, just a you know, above Good, above average quarterback yeah. play, which right? Is what they they didn't have last year. I mean, he's he, he yeah he's every deep ball. Yeah, you know. he's great as a fantasy player. He's a much better fantasy player than he is in the real world. Mm-hmm. And you know they need him to be a, a you know he's a, a top eight quarterback in fantasy play because he runs because he runs and right. gets you know runs for his touchdowns those kind of things. He's not a top eight quarterback in reality. No. Nor, mean, nor is he anywhere close to that. Nor is he anywhere close to that. I'm not sure he's top 20 right now. Right. But he's got loads of ability, and by all counts, he's a super hard worker, a great kid, all those things. You keep thinking he'll get better, but will he ever be top 10? I bet not, because I don't think he's very accurate. Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's the one thing. Like, you can help. You can you can build your arm strength a little bit. You can get better. You can mm-hmm. get your mechanics to, to get more of that out of it. Accuracy, you either have it or you don't. Right. He misses a lot of throws. He still has that Winston one or two bonehead plays a game too. Yeah, you know they'll kill you if you're if you're trying to win game seventeen fourteen. Yeah, exactly. That that's a that's, the, that's the way they're they have that's to play the way now. they're set up to win. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a lot around them. Yeah, I mean if he can throw the ball better or put sixteen games together where he does, sometimes you see that you know these guys get hot. Um, 
they could be dangerous. But I just have my doubts on that one. Yeah, I do as well. Will you pick them in the division? I still uh, think I will. I think I will. Yeah, I think I will. But like the Chargers were in that division, I picked the Chargers. Yeah, I picked the Chargers. Right. I think the Chargers <laughs> yeah, are a better a football team. I think the Steelers are a better football team. Colts, Titans. I think the, I think the Colts and Titans are yeah. better football. I think they're they're like the sixth best team in the AFC. Right. I don't think they make it out of the first round unless they get the right matchup. Like if the Colts have to go to Buffalo in the first round, winner. yeah, right. Um, I'll pick the Bills to win that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I would pick them to beat the Titans. No, I mean I don't think they could keep up with the Chiefs. I don't think that I don't Ravens think they would beat the Steelers. <clears throat> Agreed. Steelers so. in Buffalo week one of the of the postseason. I'd be pretty confident about Steelers' chances. Yeah, yeah. No, I would too. Yeah. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to uh, Steelers Nation Radio. This is the, uh, of course, the drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. That was uh, Sports Illustrated's uh, 12 teams that could win the Super Bowl this year. More AFC teams on there than NFC. I think it was yeah. seven. I think it was seven five. That's interesting because over the last few years, I've always felt the NFC is deeper and harder to get. And the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not mentioned on. Yeah, there. how about that? I would replace the, the New England Patriots with the Buccaneers. I think the Bucs are better than the Packers too. Yeah, I think and so they're better well. than Bills. Yeah. They can win the Super Bowl. They can win the Super Bowl. I think so. Bikes not on there, and I'm glad yeah. I didn't think they should be on there. Yeah, Rams. Rams, Rams on not on there. I think I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, interesting list. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time for the fantasy football focus. We'll get to that right after this. This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. You're listening to The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. And, uh, Matt, yesterday for the Fantasy Football Focus, we took a look at Roto Worlds. Um, they had their, their guys their, they had their, their guys rank all of the tight end – I'm sorry, the quarterbacks and receivers. And, receivers together, right. and then they looked at the guys that they were the most split on. Right. They have we a went, staff and everybody yeah. gets a vote. And, and you can see why I – mean, again, I've been part of that. I mean, it's – and I'm looking at this list. There's some obvious ones. You yeah. can see why people are high. You can see why you'd be tentative. And it's, they're fun battles. Yeah. Uh, today we're going to look at their list of running backs and tight ends that they were split on. And this okay. is this is where it gets really interesting. Like receivers, you know, quarterbacks, the, the splits weren't all that tremendous. I mean, they had Patrick Mahomes on there. Some guys had him at one and some guys had him at two. Right. And even in the receiver market, there's so many. Okay, I'm not real super high on this guy. I'll take someone just like him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that right. big a deal. Right. This is a little different. Uh, the running back position, and this is one we've talked about a lot, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah. His high is five. His low is 15. I think he's perfect for this exercise. <laughs> Again, if I were his lawyer, I'd make the case saying, I'm the only show in town on the best offense. I'm going to catch 75 balls. But if I'm on the low side, which I lean more towards the low side, I don't have him 15, but I'd have him 10, 11, 12. Yeah, right. Is he going to be the goal line back? You run the ball never in the first half. If you're up by 14 late in the game, is he going to be in? And he was bad in protection in college. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at five, 
you're probably not going to get a good two back, number two back. You're going to have to take a somebody that you're rolling the dice on. Whether that be you know if it's James Conner, okay, great, that's fine. Sure, but he's that you're taking. But he's a question mark. Yeah, goes. that's Fournette, Ray, right. or Bell, or yeah. you know those type of guys, right? If you're taking him at twelve or you know ten, eleven, twelve, now you're going to get a good. Oh, you can you're going to go running back, running back, and, and you're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even if he turns into – if, if Edwards Hilaire is your, ends up being your number two back and the other guy is your number one, or you have two – essentially what's two number two backs, which is probably more realistic if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're drafting down at the bottom of the first round anyways, your number you can two live with that. Better, yeah, right. you can live with that. I'm leaning more and more towards that's where I want to pick. I'd like to pick 10-11-ish and then get two backs – Give me Miles Sanders in the second round or Mixon, yeah. Chubb. You know, there's a lot in that neighborhood that are really good football players. Or this next guy that we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, he's in that neighborhood yeah. too. And that next guy is Aaron Jones. Uh, we talked a little bit about him as well. His his high mark is seven. His low water mark is 14. Okay. I'm closer to 14 than seven. But I love the talent. I think his numbers are going to spike as a receiver. Because no one else is going to catch the ball there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think he's going to have a Kamara-like impact catching the ball. But he scored 16 rushing touchdowns last year. That, no way that happens. Yeah. If he gets to 10 this year, that's a lot. You'd take it. Yeah. Like, if you took him at even at running back seven, and I said you're going to get 10 touchdowns out of him on the ground, you say, okay. Because you're probably looking at, uh, I think, the, the ceiling for him, what, 1,400 yards or so total? Maybe a little higher. Maybe if he catches, a, yeah. passes, if he catches a bunch of passes, but they're going to be time. They're going to be games where he touches. He gets the ball ten times. He's going to play sixty percent of the snaps. Yeah, and it's, it's going to drive you deal, nuts. Right? Yeah, I mean, you want your first round pick to be a bell cow, and he'd be probably the least bell cowish of first round backs. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But if he's your early two, you take him at fifteen overall. Then you're okay and, with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, as, as long as he gets you fifteen to twenty points every week, you're fine. And he might win. And you know, he'll have some games where he gets thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I have a hard time using a first round pick on him. Uh, the third guy on this list among the running backs is David Johnson. The low water mark or the high water mark is fifteen. The lowest twenty four. A lot of views on this one too. In that. You can look at some clips last year and say, he's terrible, he's done, Bill O'Brien's an idiot, why would you ever trade for him, he stinks, and he's expensive. Or you can look at it and say, well, maybe this guy has, knows a thing or two. You can plug him in as a minimum as the Carlos Hyde role in Houston last year, and Hyde racked up 1,000 yards. Not very spectacularly, but you would <laughs> think, well, Johnson can at least do that. But a lot of the hide yards were between the tackles, yeah. which isn't really what Johnson That's does. That's not what he does. Yeah. I mean, he's not a grinder. He's not a pounder. He's got to catch a lot of passes to be worth running back to neighborhood. He's older than you think, and too. he's old. He yeah. turns 29 this season. Right. He's he actually hasn't been good for a he's while. He's actually older than Le'Veon Bell. Is he? Yeah. He did not come into the league young. No. He might be done. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, there's there's that potential for that, and be. you know maybe he's a volume guy, but Duke Johnson's waiting there in the wings mm-hmm. too. So if he shows that he can't be that kind of guy, all of a sudden now Duke starts siphoning off some of those snaps. Right. Next thing you know, they're in a timeshare, and you took a running back in the second round who's in a timeshare. He's in a timeshare. See, that's why I think they're going to throw the ball a lot because I don't think they have the Hyde type guy. Yeah, you know, and both the receiver. And he's just somebody I'm going to avoid. I mean, he'd have to really fall if if somebody yeah if he if he's there for, as my third back. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll bite the bullet maybe and do that. Yeah, but so there's, there's but there's probably a young guy that I'm gonna like better. Right. 
I mean, even these guys are low on them, have them at 21, 24, which I think I, is in my neighborhood, but that's like bottom tier. You're still taking them in the third too. round, yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. love that. I mean, I don't think he can be a league winner. No, I don't think so either. Like Aaron I would, Jones could be a league winner. I would winner. rather take a take a flyer on, you know, one of these other you know, young running back. So I think I'd rather take Taylor or Dobbins around later. Yeah. And keep my fingers crossed and yeah. get by for a couple weeks. Uh, the next guy on this list is hate is uh, Tevin Coleman. Uh, his low water mark is 30 or high water mark is 31. His low water mark is 40, 41. I don't like to overreact to blurbs and things, especially when we don't see any football, but I think it's noteworthy that your, your McKinnon blurb you mentioned the other day, they have money invested in him. He's probably gonna make the team. Yeah. Did he just cloud things up more than – did he just muck it all up more than it, than it already was mucked up? <laughs> I think they kind know? of felt this way the whole time because they got rid of Breida. Mm-hmm. Um, they still got three running backs, essentially. Yeah. That, it, this isn't going away. And that doesn't even include guys like Jeff Wilson. Right, and he could be their goal line guy. Yeah. And really screwed I, up I mean, for you. Yeah, Shanahanigan, shenanigans. Yeah. I, I, I think almost, they like Coleman and I, I like I Coleman. I played – I dabbled with this whole running back situation last mm-hmm. year, and it just drove me nuts. And it's easy to sit here and where we sit today and say, I'm not going to get involved in that because everyone says that. Yeah. And eventually it's like, well, I'm in the sixth round and i got to get involved in that or do something <laughs> else. Just set yourself up so you don't have to get involved in that. Yeah, that's that's the key. I that's think if you take three other guys and Coleman's your four, okay, you're not so concerned right. about it. Then you trade him as soon as he has a, one of his big weeks. Right, right. Oh, he's the man now. Yeah. You get that blurb comes across. That's what you want to see. And then trade yeah, he had 18 him. carries for 112 yards last week. He's taking get, control of the backfield. Yeah, get rid right. of him for somebody quickly. Right. Yeah, well said. Jordan Howard. He's interesting, too. The high water mark is 31. The low water mark is 47. So a little bit more of a range there. Miami's offense is built around... Alabama's. They want a big physical offensive line, a zone running game, and a lot of play action and um, RPOs off of that, obviously for Tua. Yeah. They're the Kent State roster, though, and <laughs> trying to do Alabama things. You know what I mean? So Howard's a really, really good zone runner. That's what he does. So he fits perfectly, and they gave him a good buck. They gave him a good buck. But he doesn't catch the ball. Doesn't catch the ball at all. So if you believe that Miami can be competitive and will be four and six in the first ten games and not be losing by a million in the fourth quarter, Howard's going to be out there. But I kind of like Breida better though. That's the thing. Like the only the problem with Breida is, is he runs so hard. He I don't trust him. Either. He runs like him running into a wall seventeen times a game. Right. I mean, I think when they're team building and they're a smart team. Their running back is in college right now. Yeah. Or it's Kamara or one of those guys. If someone's coming to be a free agent, it's not on the team now. They're just getting by. But if you think Miami can be in a game or they're playing the Jets that week or the, the Jags. Or, right, right. I mean, I think Jordan Howard's fantasy useful if you're smart about when you pull the trigger on him. Yeah. Um, so 31 is he's essentially your RB3. If you get him down at 47, he's your fourth or fifth R, you know, running back on your roster. Mm-hmm. Not too bad. Yeah, I mean you can. You talking you about a depth piece. And yeah, buys and, you know. talking about a depth piece. Tight end. Hunter Henry. His high is tight end six. His low is tight end eleven. If he's at tight end eleven, that means he's had another injury plagued year. If he finishes the season there, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I don't know if they'll throw the ball a lot. 
I have mixed feelings. You know, we talked Chargers earlier in the show. He's played 41 of 64 possible games in his career. Yeah, there's obviously that loom. Yeah. But where Mike Williams, Allen, and Henry are going, it's been baked in a little bit that they're fallen because of Rivers being gone, and it's not really even Rivers being gone. I just think their style of play is going to change, and they're going to run the ball more, and they're going to be kind of like drafting you know, Ravens receivers. But Henry's good. Yeah. I mean, he's good. I wish he was a stealer. I mean, like, he's a good player. Yeah, I mean, when he came back last year, he was very good mm-hmm. for stretches. Um, but you just can't get past that injury stuff. And I, I don't know that I can put him at tight end six no. when there's some other guys there that you know, I would rather have Tyler Higby. Yeah, I think that's a conversation. I think it's a safer. I think he's Ingram. a safer pick, yeah. The more and more I've thought about this, I think I'm either going to grab Kelsey or Kittle in, like, the second round. Or I'm going to wait for my hot young tight ends that I'm infatuated with <laughs> and take a couple of them. And yeah. Hope Hawkinson and Johnny I hope, Smith. I hope you play the right one. Right. Each week. And be yeah. loaded everywhere else and take three of them maybe and yeah. hope I get one. Uh, th- this middle ground to take them where they go, it's okay. I just don't see the value. The next guy on the list is Hayden Hurst. His, his high is tight end eight. His low is tight end 16. Well, these are the facts with him. The Falcons gave up a second-round pick for him, so they value him. Yeah, Austin Hooper caught a ton of passes for them last year. He goes from the team that threw the ball the least in the league to the team that threw the ball the most in the league. There's no third receiver. So the opportunity is, like, as good as it gets. Yeah. But is he any good? I don't know. <laughs> I think there's some talent there. Yeah, and he's a first-round um, pick. Yeah. Everything I said is, is all fact. Those aren't. You know, this is what I think of the guy. I think he's going to get a lot of one-on-one matchups yep. with linebackers and safeties. Um, and I think I know that, that Matt Ryan will throw the ball to the tight end. Mm-hmm. I tend to lean towards maybe not tight end eight. Yeah, that's rich. But I think he, I think he's – I wouldn't be – you know, if it's tight end 11, 12, somewhere in that range, I, I'd be tempted. If you're talking – I mean, he's not a young guy, but if you're talking about unproven tight end play – the opportunity is awesome. The, he's got as good a chance as Johnny. You know the guys you just oh, mentioned, yeah, Johnny yeah. Smith and some he's of these other guys. More than those guys. Yeah, but right, Hayden, he could hit big. Hunter Henry or one round later, Hayden Hurst. I feel better about Hurst. A little bit of a discount. I feel like I feel like Henry's a guy that I know going into the season he's probably going to miss three or four games just based on his track record, and I don't. I think he's more of an unknown. I don't like his offense as much as I like Hayden Hurst. I bet Hayden Hurst gets more targets than Hunter Henry this year. Yes, I would agree with that. They're gonna what does he do more. with them? Yeah. He's probably a better chance to stay healthy. Put it this way. Last year at this time, we'd have been talking about Austin Hooper, kind of like we're talking about Hayden Hurst right, right now. He hadn't blown up yet. He hadn't blown up yet, right. I mean, they, they don't have a third receiver, really. Yeah, and they don't have any backs that can catch the ball. That's the other Good part point. of the equation. Right. Devontae Freeman caught the ball. right. Well, now he's gone. To, I don't know if yeah. he will or not. I mean, is he going to play enough to be a factor in that? I know a lot of people look at Julio Jones and say he doesn't catch touchdowns. And then a lot of people take it and go, well, that's just a fluke. He's not a great jump ball guy. Right. He's not great. I mean, that's his one sort of chink. Down by the goal line, he doesn't do his best work. And plus, he's getting a ton of – And he's getting doubled. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're treating him they're like beating a him up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think Hurst could catch touchdowns. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I'm, I'm warming I'm, up to him. I'm kind of in on her. Yeah. The next guy we talk about here is Johnny Smith. I really like the player. I, I do as well. I've yeah. liked him for quite a while now. His high yeah. is tight end 10. 
his mm-hmm. lowest tight end 22. There is no way John o. Smith is tight end 22 this year. No way. He's, no way. He's uh, never going to leave the field. He might be their second leading receiver. Yeah. I mean, I would back doesn't catch the ball. I would be willing to take John again. If, if I come out of the draft with Hunter with Hayden Hurst and John o. Smith as my two tight ends, yeah. I'm fine with and that. And you didn't pay a fortune for it? No, him? I'm fine with that. Right. I mentioned before, like, I would love to get Johnny Smith and TJ Hawkinson as the 14th and 15th tight end off the board. There's a lot of ability there. Yeah. One of them will hit, you know, yeah. and not have hardly anything invested. The only problem I have, yeah, I, and I love Hawkinson, but there are more mouths to feed in that offense. There are. Um, whereas Titans' I, offense is great that way. Yeah. I mean, they don't even have a, a, a running back that's going to eat up. I mean, there were times last year where Johnny Smith, especially late in the year, he was the number one receiver when teams started doubling A.J. Brown right. and doing those kind of things. That Jonas Smith had some massive monster games. I, mean, I don't think Corey Davis stinks. I think he's gotten a little he bit just of a wasn't, bum rap. If he weren't the fifth pick in the draft, I don't think people right. would talk about him the right. way he has. But Smith may out catch him this year. Yeah. No, I really like the player. Uh, okay, now this he next. He has a big playability, too. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah. Um, I'm not in on this guy. Blake Jarwin. The high is 15, the low is 21. See, he's not one of the hot young tight ends I like. I, I think he's fine. I think he's probably better than Witt at this point. He's a better receiver. He's more dangerous. But he's going to be their sixth leading receiver. Yeah, there are a lot of <laughs> – you talk about an offense with a lot of mouths to feed. Right. He, he's, the, yeah, the fifth best option on, on his Pollard own team. might catch more balls than him. Yeah. I mean, I mean just – sure, he'll have a game or two where he's all alone in the end zone and Dak hits him, but I can't count on him. No, I, I'm not buying in on that one either. And this final one's another guy that you talked about. I like him. Chris Herndon, low of, uh, high of 17 to low of 22. Another one of those guys that just can't stay on the field. Him and Darnold have played, like, no snaps together. <laughs> so they need receivers. Um, I like them, but there's the Jets' offense is bad for fantasy. Yeah. They traditionally, this is an Adam Gase thing, they run very few plays. They play, they play slow even when they're losing. Um, it looks better on paper, but I don't know if that offensive line will gel quickly. Like, I'd have to take him as my third tight end because I don't trust mm-hmm. him. He's certainly not my number one. No, no. I don't know that I trust him enough to be my number two, so therefore he's a number three type guy, and am I taking three tight ends? Right. But, I mean, he's going in the top 24. You're not going to get him at the 27th. But I don't end. want him as my as my number two. I just don't trust him. I don't trust him either, but... As a 12th round pick is my tight end, too. I'm in on him. You know, I like guys better. Johnny Smith, you know, people yeah. like that. But, yeah, I, I just. I think he's got talent. Oh, there's no, there's no yeah. doubt he has talent. I mean, that they wouldn't have held on to him all this time. They, sure. they didn't feel that he had talent. Right. But. I mean, you get some blurbs, again, that I don't like to overreact to that they couldn't be more excited about Chris Herndon and hearing those type of things right they now. They said the but, same thing last year. Yeah, you hear that a lot. In the year before that. Right, right, and, right. You know, so it's, it's just I, I can't trust the player. No, I don't trust him at all. But minimal investment. Like, I'd rather have Gusecki and I – mean, Gusecki's probably higher than a lot of these guys we talked about. He's yeah. in the Hayden Hurst range. He could be their second leading receiver. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just think that uh, – you know, I, I just don't trust the player. But, anyways, that's their uh, list of uh, wide receivers, or I'm sorry, running backs and tight ends. Good list, uh, good, uh, good conversation there. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You are listening to the Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break and be right back after this. You're tuned to the Drive on your 24/7 home of the Black and Gold Steelers Nation Radio.
with Matt Williamson and Matt. Uh, it's almost like um the great question here. Yeah, it was well done by you. Wow. Uh, I didn't even see this angle News coming. just breaking here that the uh, Chiefs and Travis Kelsey are uh, close to a long-term extension that will be at least five years, according to Ian Rappaport wow. of the NFL Network. Um, deal should be done in the next day or so. So the, the domino is starting to fall there yeah. at the, uh, the tight end position. Again, the Kittle deal getting done earlier uh, or late last night, uh, and it's now suddenly uh, Travis Kelsey getting a new deal as well. And Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Good for you. Nice call. Um, I had not thought of that angle at all when I heard the Kittle news. And then as we talked through it in the earlier segment, it's like, yeah, now's the time to, to strike. You know, I mean, it could work out well. It's a good time to be a Chiefs fan. Like, a lot of good news coming across. You know, we're going to have Mahomes. We're going to have Kelsey. We're going to have Chris Jones locked up for a while. Just drafted a kid that's a weapon. They're, they're a powerhouse. They're a powerhouse. You do have to wonder about the long-term cap ramifications uh, of uh, what they're – doing here um with all this uh this stuff i mean the money yeah. is they're not they're not playing with monopoly money here no but i do like to see teams investing big money right this time of year too because especially smart teams it makes me think the league's in a lot better financial shape than we may have thought and maybe cam hayward's next you know what i mean like the, maybe the steelers start uh, taking that lead and say okay well we can start locking some guys up too yeah, I just I you know you do have to wonder like uh, what happens with a guy like Frank Clark after this. He is, should be yesterday's dude. Yeah, is he is yeah. he still his cap number this year is nineteen point three million dollars. That's yeah, that's a ton of money. That's uh, a ton of money. Um, he was just okay last year too. Next year that cap number is twenty five point eight million dollars. Wow, he could be. A he won't be. He, he won't, won't be a Kansas that. City Chief. It's either yeah. a restructure or a cut. Or yeah. a it won't even be a trade. Um, you know, Chris Jones is twenty one point uh, about twenty one point nine million next year. He's young though. I mean that's yeah. Eric Fisher's uh, fourteen point seven. Starting left tackle, that's what you gotta pay him. That's what the, the yeah. Tyran Mathels, nineteen point seven next hmm. year. I mean they certainly could be a team of studs and duds. They're gonna yeah, almost be have to be, be six you know, big name guys. You know, Mahomes no Mahomes salary jumps to twenty four point eight million next year. I mean Which isn't crazy, you know, for a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, the Steelers are paying more than that. Right now that. their top their top uh, 51 going into next year is $200 million. Oh, wow. And if you're going to give Kelsey more money, mm-hmm. then uh, uh, they can finagle that so it doesn't – They can. You know, right now he, he's he's scheduled to count $9 million against their cap. I don't know if they're going to make, make that considerably lower than, than that number mm-hmm. um, or if it's going to – I mean, if they're giving him a big raise – it probably goes up from that number. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, what they'll need to prove to be able to do, and the Steelers have been really good at this over the years, is hit on picks at a little bit higher rate than everyone else, even though you're picking late. And that doesn't mean you have to hit home runs, but you can't miss on your first day or two picks. They can't cut Frank Clark next year. Hmm. If they cut Frank Clark after this season, he actually counts an an additional – $13.1 $13.1 million against their cap. Wow. It would be who we count 30, $38.9 million against Holy their cap. Smokes. So he's coming back. Uh, they almost have to renegotiate that one somehow. Yeah, maybe they tear uh, that Same thing up. with like, like Mahomes. Uh, if they were, and they're not going to do this, but if they cut Mahomes, he would, cost, he would count uh, an additional $35 million against their cap. You can't cut those guys. No. Wow. Chris Jones is, is more money to, to, to cut than not be around. Um, so you're really invested with them, then. Yeah, I mean, like makes me think Sammy Watkins won't get back, and, and there's people like that. But 
it's going to make it tough to get better at linebacker. And, you know, they, I'm sure a guy like Hitchens will get cut. I mean, if you start looking at what they could do to get under that salary cap, they're going to have to cut a bunch, not just a couple of guys. They can't do it with one or two guys. It's yeah. going to have to be several that they get rid of, and then you got to fill those spots with – all of a sudden now you're the Rams. Right. You yeah. Know? I mean, you're really, really top-heavy. Hey, I mean, even the guard, Tardif, I mean, they just gave him an extension – so he comes off the books for this year, but then he goes to next year, which they weren't, weren't counting on doing it that way. Um, as a guy like Mitchell Schwartz starts to slow down, I mean, he's a high-quality right tackle, and then you've got a revolving door, you know, protecting Mahomes' right side. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, maybe your Tyreek call, maybe he's not long for the team. Yeah, Mitchell Schwartz is $10 million on their cap next year. You, yeah. They would save uh... – they would save $6 million by releasing him. They got about $20 million tied up in tackles. Yeah. Um, you'd save uh, $11.5 million by releasing Eric Fisher. Yeah. Again, if, if that cap does come in at uh, $175 million, you got to get rid of $25 million in cap. you got to find actually more than that because more you, you're going to have to sign, and, sign right. draft picks. So you're looking at maybe creating $30 million in cap space, and that gets you nobody, mm-hmm. no outside free agents. So. And, and that's when quarterbacks are really great too is, okay, now we can't, you know, Furnish your apartment quite as nice. You got to, you got to carry the, yeah. You got to do it all. Uh, I would think that the uh, Steelers talks now. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. We'd think that they would start to uh, maybe heat up a little bit with Cam Hayward. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it seems to be the trend coming around the league, which makes me more and more comfortable with where the league is right now. Um, We had mentioned Filer before. I don't know if that's a top priority for them. But you'd love to see Cam getting locked up. I mean, it'd be more goodwill throughout the locker room, too. You do what he does, and you'll get rewarded, and we don't want him to go anywhere. And I think he's in a situation right now, uh, he counts $13.2 million against the salary cap. I think any extension that you sign him to now lowers the cap hit for this year. Okay. And if you do that, then you have the potential to roll that cap space into next year, which kind of creates a little bit extra there. Or maybe if somebody gets hurt in the next couple of weeks, you can go grab a veteran for this year, you know, a depth guy. Yeah, right now the Steelers right around $4.7 million in cap space. That's not enough to go out. Kevin Colbert likes to go into a season with around five. Um, So they do need to create some space there. I think, uh, you know, if they they do that with, with Hayward, that would certainly create some space. Uh, you know, Matt Filer making 3.25, almost 3, $3.26 million this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you sign him to an extension, uh, maybe you can lower that base salary a little bit. A and, little. And, uh, and I think now's the time to strike on him. Yeah. I, I mean, you can say this about a lot of athletes, and it's sort of nostalgic, sentimental. I can't see Cam playing somewhere else. I don't think he'd want to. Right. Yeah, I, I think he's, you know, he's – He's kind of a Pittsburgh guy. Grew up in the in the suburbs, right. and you know, went to college at Ohio State. And, and hometown discounts are kind of a myth, but I mean, he's thirty two. He's happy here. He's right. he's I'm got endorsement, sure endorsements outside the the team. True. That uh, you know, he's kind of a, a team spokesman mm-hmm. and looked upon pretty favorably. Um, how much money's enough? I think he's made like fifty eight million dollars to this point in his career. I mean, if his goal was I'm going to make every dollar I possibly can. He certainly could and go test the market and yeah. get paid very, very well. But I bet that's not his top priority. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. But we'll find out. Yeah, yeah I, right. I think that deal, uh, I think that starts to heat up, though, here pretty quickly. I'd never give anyone a hard time for going to get a No, absolutely not. Yeah. make you a bad guy. Nope. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin. He addressed the media this morning, and we'll give you uh, the playbook on that right after this. You're tuned to The Drive on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio. 
Oilers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, of course, uh, Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, he spoke to the media earlier today, uh, Matt. A lot of good stuff here to uh, get yeah, to. let's dig right in. Yeah, let's dig right into that. Here's what Mike Tomlin had to say. For us, we're still, you know, transitive week for us. We're still, you know, transitioning into football, and there's some, a lot of significant work to be done in that regard. Um, you know, more than anything, we're talking about uh, culture building things, how we practice, how we compete professionally how we compete appropriately based on attire. Um, this week we're now in helmets. And so we talk about some environmental things that we value in the, in the work that we can get done when you're working in helmets, some things that we need to stay away from in terms of shoulder contact and in an effort to keep everyone healthy and upright. Um, we're still familiarizing ourselves with, with, with some of the newer people and, and their skill sets uh, relative to their positions and, and getting to know uh, one another in that way. Uh, that includes uh, the positioning of people, particularly in the in the special teams area. Um, that's something that really has our attention in this environment. Uh, with no preseason games, uh, it's important that we make thoughtful decisions about the placement of people uh, in the special teams capacity. But also, um, once we get them placed, um, the the competitive aspect of practice and and, and creating an environment where we can make some evaluations in that area uh, is something that's on uh, at the front of our minds as we continue to get adjusted to what we're doing here. Um, but largely, it's been a good week, much like I said a week ago, uh, continually impressed with the things uh, that were important to us coming into this environment, the overall conditioning of the group. They're continuing to display good, uh, good preparedness in that area. Uh, and the rest of it is just uh, teaching and learning and I like the attitudes that everyone is bringing in regards to that. Um, I'll be happy to open it up for questions. Okay, the first question is coming from Dale Lawley from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Dale, go ahead. Hey, Mike, uh, you, you referenced uh, finding, finding things out about the new guys. One of your new guys is, is uh, Derek Watt, fullback. Obviously, he's going to be a big part of that, that special teams group. But what can he bring to your offense that uh, – maybe a, a new wrinkle or, or just a, a something uh, that, that maybe you haven't used as much with the fullback in recent years? You know, I think we're in the process of discovering that as we familiarize ourselves with him and, and his skill set, skill sets and the things that he does well. Um, the, the known um, aspect of his game that was really attractive to us was his um, high level of productivity in special teams. I think he and Tyler led the NFL in special teams tackles a year ago. And because we had an opportunity to play against his team last year, we also were, were very respectful of his functional fullback skills. But some of the off the beaten path things, maybe some of the additional uh, things, uh, we're going to learn about him along the way. Okay, next question is Mike Pursuta from WDBE. Mike, go ahead. Mike, are, are you on schedule? Will you, in fact, have – the pads on starting Monday, and is it going to look like a traditional camp? Will you be doing backs on backers, wide receiver, DB, Oklahoma, live tackling, the, the stuff that we're used to seeing? You know, that's our intent, um, but we're also willing to adjust um, based on what it is that we see. Um, from a staffing standpoint, we're very thoughtful about our long-term planning or, or not doing so. Um, getting familiar with the level of conditioning that these guys are coming to us in 
and, and getting a feel for their ability to take in and retain information that was delivered to them remotely are, are two of the key variables that determine the pace in which we move. And so those are our intentions, but we're, we're willing to adjust based on what transpires between now and then. Um, and that's really our mentality about this, this next month or so. We realize there's certain boxes that need to be checked between now and when we step into a stadium, but we also realize that we might have to alter the pace of some of those intended plans based on the readiness or lack thereof of the group. And, um, you know, so we're just acknowledging that and, 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 and openly being willing to, to be flexible when appropriate. Okay, next question is from Joe Rutter from the Tribune Review. Joe, go ahead. Uh, how important is it to you to, to have continuity on the offensive line, and especially coming you know, with a shortened camp and the way the season is, to have you know three veterans that have been in there and done so much for you guys, and Al, Dave, and uh, Marquise? You know, uh, particularly in this environment, I think continuity is an asset. Um, you know, in the offensive line, um, it probably gives you an advantage in terms of some of the unforeseen things that you could see in stadiums at the early portions of the season that you don't have a lot of video evidence of uh, that shared past experience that those guys have uh, has a potential to be an asset to them, no doubt. Um, but we're also going through some transition there. We've been looking exclusively at Matt Filer at left guard. Um, he's also been a part of us, but he's been playing right tackle. And uh, the two right tackle guys that have been rotating have, have gotten opportunities in the recent past that tight ends report as eligible and such. Uh, we're, we, we're hoping that that playing experience and, and particularly that shared playing experience is an asset to a group in, in, some, in some unique times. And stepping into, step into regular season stadiums without any video evidence of personalities or, or schematics of opponents uh, is something that's worrisome. Next question is from Brooke Dreyer from ESPN.com. Brooke, go ahead. Mike, uh, when we talked to David Castro earlier this week, he was pretty blunt in his assessment of last year and just said that it sucked and he felt like things snowballed and the attitude wasn't great, at least the, the way that he felt. I'm curious if you agree with his assessment on that and how do you balance taking the things you learned last year as a team while also kind of putting it in the past as you go forward this year? You know, I don't know if I would have had those choice of words, but uh, I agree with his general assessment. You know, when you're on the outside looking in at the tournament uh, that determines the eventual champion, then then that does suck. And, and so, you know, our goals are clear each and every year, and that's to compete for and ultimately win a world championship. And when we're not in that conversation, we absolutely hate it. Um, in regards to this year, man, I never carry the bags from, from last year or worry about what transpired. Uh, in terms of us writing the script for, for this journey. So I'm singularly focused on that, and I'd imagine Dave is as well. I'm sure he's just courteously answering questions. Thanks. Okay, next question comes from Ed Bouchette at The Athletic. Ed, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Um, what advantage is there for a veteran team with a veteran quarterback in this special season? And... Um, uh, did, could, might that especially go on early in the uh, in the season? You know, I'd be speculating, Ed. I'm not going to pretend like those advantages exist or exist as absolutes. There are some advantages of continuity, like I mentioned earlier, not only in this call but in previous calls about 
um, having shared experience in an unstable or uncertain environment. Uh, but we're not going to make any assumptions or, or, or find comfort in, in, in some of those facts. We're just simply going to respect the circumstances that we're in as unique and uh, as they are unique for everyone and, 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 and just respect them every day with thoughts and actions and, and prepare for the battle that lies ahead. And we know that adversity is going to be a big part of it, whether you got experience or continuity or lack thereof. Uh, that's just the nature of these NFL uh, journeys. Next question is for Aditi Pinkabala from NFL Network. Aditi, go ahead. Good morning. Uh, you've talked a lot about having to mimic game environments and practice to sort of create that same feeling. So how do you do that? And in all your history of coaching, is it just a cliche that there are certain guys who turn it on when the lights are on? Or is there a truth to that, that some guys are better game players than practice players and we may miss out on that? You know, I'm not necessarily talking about the gamer discussion when I'm talking about creating game-like circumstances. I'm talking about getting an opportunity to evaluate situational awareness, things that you don't often do in a practice setting, boxes that often get checked in preseason stadiums, such as a guy's ability to, to move from playing linebacker to left guard on punt team and knowing when to take the field and being engaged in, in transitional things like that. Or, or guys being down and distance aware as the ball moves and the chains move. Oftentimes in a practice setting, uh, the ball does not move or the ball moves in a very scripted way. So there's certain things that happen in simulated gameplay. There's certain awareness things that are displayed that, that are part of the evaluation process that we have to work to create. And I'm not necessarily talking about a guy responding to a moment and rising up in it. I'm talking about professionalism things, awareness things, uh, things that are that are common in in in-game play that aren't necessarily common in a controlled or spotted like practice setting. Okay, next question is from Wait, Will can I Gray. can I jump back Bert, can I jump back with that second part though? Does that exist? Is there a piece of that? Or is there a gamer? Is there a guy that plays better under the lights? Or is that if, a the, if there is, he won't get an opportunity to display it in this environment. So he better be a he better be a practice player. <laughs> okay, Will Graves from the Associated Press. Will, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, you know you talked about the guys' conditioning coming in. First of all, do you anticipate anybody not being available next week that isn't already on your that other list, the COVID list? Um, and second of all, especially with the running backs, do you have to be mindful of how you share the snaps from a physical standpoint because of the the wear and tear at, at that position? You know, I'm not going to make any speculations about people in the in the COVID protocol. I've learned quickly not to speculate about that. It's kind of like the concussion protocol, man. Uh, I'm going to very much stay in my lane in regards to comments on that. Well, no, um, I meant more. I meant guys that aren't like physically, like not outside of the COVID guys, that, which I assume are not, won't be available until they're cleared by the league or whatever. I meant specifically like physical ailments, guys that will from from for football injuries or for whatever. That's what I was. That's what I meant. I'm not worried about any any long-term work missed by anyone at this juncture. Um, in regards to the depth of the running back position or the preservation of those guys, uh, at this juncture, I'm more concerned about putting them in, in, in situations where I can get to know them and evaluate them and see them compete than I am worried about preservation at this time. Okay, a couple more. Next up, Jerry Dulac from the PG. Jerry, go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, both your coordinators have been with you a long time. Uh, going back to college, and both appear to be 
uh, unselfish and willing to accept um, outside input and share responsibilities. Keith works closely with you. How important is that, Mike? And is that something that is uncommon? You know, I don't know whether or not it's common or uncommon. Uh, I know that it is appreciated here. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we've had such longstanding um, business and personal relationships. Speaking of, on those two men, um, they don't care who gets the credit. Um, they simply want to win. Um, they display that unselfishness, unselfishness in everything that they do and have uh, over the years um, in a number of roles in a bunch of different locations. And so uh, it's important to me, um, you know, and, and I think it's a winning edge for us. But how common or uncommon that is, uh, I really can't speak to. Thank Two you. more questions. Next one, Jeff Hathorne from 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, Mike, we talked to uh, Steve Nelson the other day, and he was telling us about that he uh, maybe feels a little underrated at his position. Do you like coaching guys that have that chip on their shoulder? And what does Nelson mean to what you do defensively? You know, I certainly like a guy that, that has an edge, uh, a guy that'll, that'll do whatever it takes to find that edge. Um, that feels like a comfortable place for Steve in terms of being overlooked for his quality of play and consistency of play. And those are the two things I really um, value about him. Um, I just told him the other day, as he and I were walking down the hall, that it's been, uh, his presence has been a, an enjoyable experience for me and us. Um, he's low maintenance. Um, he's very consistent. Um, he's highly professional. Um, he just checks a lot of boxes in that tandem of he and Joe Hayden uh, are, are one of the central reasons uh, why we're excited about the potential of, of that back-end group. Obviously, we've got to come together and, and, and do the work. Um, but those two guys, that level of professionalism, uh, that level of consistency in terms of their day-to-day -day approach to preparation and ultimately their play um, is really attractive to a guy in my position. Okay, final question before we let Coach go. Mark Caboli. Mark, go ahead. Mike, um, Mike, Le'Veon made a significant change in his body from year one to two. Same with Connor, and it appears that Benny Snell did the same, especially with running backs. In that span between rookie and second year, in your experiences, what clicks in them that tells them they need to go that route? You know, I think I think not only running backs, and I, and it's a legitimate discussion that you mentioned because of the guys that you mentioned, but I think it happens. Um, across all positions. I think that that continual discussion that we have about the difference between year one and year two, um, you're speculating in year one, you know in year two in terms of what's required of you, not only in the short term, but just the, 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 the overall journey itself, the level of conditioning required. Um, you know, we talked quite a bit a year ago about the transformation of James Washington's body with that knowledge and understanding, for example. Uh, I believe that you guys will see a, a, a significant physical difference in Deontay Johnson, since we're talking about receivers um, along those lines this year. I think um, you can look at any position and see growth and development in terms of understanding between year one and year two and appropriate actions taken because of it. Uh, whether it's guys adding bulk and strength for the, for the long-term fight or whether it's guys getting lean and, and, and finding um, professional tendencies or professional rhythms in terms of diet and nutrition. There's a lot of reasons why 
uh, those bodies transform, but it, it has a lot to do with uh, knowledge as opposed to speculating. That was Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin earlier today with the media. Lots of good stuff there from the Steelers head coach. He's happy to see the uh, the shells and helmets come on this week, and he'll be yeah, even, nice step right even more glad next week to see the pads come on. No doubt. I mean, like you said, Coach Tomlin, could have, he wants practice every day. He loves training camp. He loves the Trobe, and I bet it's starting to approach normalcy for him. Yeah, once the once the pads come on, and you heard him talk about it, uh, that, you know, backs on backers, all those kind of things. Right are going to be in play, especially what he typically does is early in camp before they play that first preseason game, when they first start the, the contact drills, that first week there's a lot of hitting. Sure, yeah. And yeah, tackling and all that stuff. That system, and then right. he kind of gears it down as they start playing games. Well, this year I think that first week is going to be like that. Makes sense. And then you start to ease things back a little bit get because you're getting season. ready to, for the start of the season. You don't need to get somebody hurt in practice, yeah. you know, trying to get a uh, an extra session of uh, inside running game uh, mm-hmm. worked on. Yeah, and maybe we're going to work on those – XFL guys and rookies and those dudes a little harder than you would have too. Yeah, um, you know you got a bunch of those, and if one yeah. of those gets hurt, so, so be, be it. it. Right? Yeah. You want to know who they are? Yeah, you can count on them. Yeah. And anyways, that's going to do it for our show today. Stay tuned right here. Uh, Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes will be picking up the, uh, the, the the rope here and running with it, or taking the baton. The baton from us. We'll be handing that off to them. They'll keep you here until six o'clock, and then Matt and I will be back with Mike Pursuta from six to eight, uh, giving you all the Steelers news that you need to know. Uh, But for my partner, Matt Williamson, I'm Dale Lally. We also want to thank uh, Jacob here on site, keeping us on the air. And we want to thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.